Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Summer is the time of year when we all take a vacation. Some of you like going to the beach. Some of you like the mountains. Others of you have your old standbys that you visit every year. And some of you like taking a vacation and going to places that you've never been. And that's what we're gonna do through our series Vacation. We are going to take you to places where most of you have never been before. Each week, we're gonna travel to some of the legendary places in the world and hear some stories that change the course of history. So pack your bags, it's time for a vacation. Today, we are traveling to what is believed to be one of the oldest cities in the world. Today, we're going to Jericho. The city of Jericho was situated in the lower Jordan Valley, just west of the Jordan River. It was about 10 miles northwest of the Dead Sea. It sat in the broadest part of the Jordan Plain and was about 17 miles away from Jerusalem. In dramatic contrast to its desert surroundings, Jericho actually thrived as a fertile spring-fed oasis. In the Old Testament, it was called the City of Palms because of its abundance of palm trees. And because it was a border city, ancient Jericho actually controlled the important migration routes between the north and the south and the east and the west. Jericho was actually the first city conquered by the Israelites when they crossed the Jordan River to occupy the Promised Land. Remember, it was God who used Moses to free the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. And Moses led them to the Promised Land. But before they entered, Moses actually sent spies into that land to see what they would encounter. When the spies returned, the Israelites actually refused to go in. They felt that the people in the land were so much stronger and taller than them, that the cities were so fortified that there was no way that they could overcome them. And even though Moses assures the people that God will fight for them, that he will give them victory just as he did in Egypt, they didn't trust God to fulfill his promise, and they refused to go in. Their fear led to disobedience. And so God let them wander in the wilderness until that unbelieving generation actually died off. And so after 40 years of wandering, Moses dies. And after the death of Moses, God selects Joshua to lead the people of Israel. And under the Lord's direction, Joshua leads them into the land of Canaan, And he begins to take possession of that land. And the first city that the Israelites see along the way is Jericho, a secure fortress with high, formidable walls. And today we're going to look at God's unusual strategy as they battle Jericho. And this becomes one of the most captivating stories that we read in the Bible. And it's going to show you how you can trust God, even when his ways don't make sense. So sit back and relax, because we're going to take a journey to Jericho. Good morning, Med Church. How are we doing this morning? 
Well, I hope we get a little better than that as we go along. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. If you're online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Um, my name is Corey Bomar, and I am the missions pastor here at the Met Church, and we are in the middle of our vacation series. And so I thought it would be cool for us to get to know each other a little better um, before we get going. So do you want to know me a little better? Okay, three of you, good. I can, I can go with three because I want to know you a little better. So we're going to play a little game called Would You Rather Vacation Edition. So I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to explain the two options, and then we're going to take a vote on which one you would rather be. So here we go. The first one is, would you rather be a beach bum or a snow bunny? Okay, so hold on, slow down. So for me, a beach bum um, is this. You want to be on the beach all day long. You don't want to leave for any reason. Um, you, you want to take naps there. You have a cooler full of food, all kinds of stuff. And you just want to, you need to go to the bathroom. You're going to go to the water for a couple minutes. You're going to come back out. You're going to get back on the sand. There's no reason for you to leave. Or snow bunny. You, you want to hit the slopes, carve the ice. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but it sounds like it. Carving the ice. Um, so how many of you are beach bums? And you're excited about that. Um, how many of you are your snow bunnies? It's always funny when I ask that and these big men, oh, I'm a snow bunny. You know, they raise their hand. Uh, so me, um, I know you probably wouldn't guess. I've been skiing a couple times, but because of my physique, you would say, I'm sure you're so active. I'm a beach bum, okay? And not like I get up every morning and go running seven miles before. I want to go to the beach, give me a chair, let me sit there, watch the kids go in. Um, if I need to go to the water for a couple of minutes, I'll come back. We'll do all of that. Okay, the next one. How many campers do we have in here? How many people like to go camping? A few. Awesome. Would you rather go camping or glamping? And what glamping is, is glamorous camping, right? Like all the luxuries that you, that you want and you need. Um, camping is more like your Bear grills. I'm gonna give you a knife and a tent and you're gonna survive for 30 days in the wilderness. How many of you would rather go camping? How many of you would rather go glamping? Okay. I know it's gonna come as another shock to you, but if I sleep on the ground, I can't walk right for like a week because my back is out of whack. So I'm going glamping. Give me glamping every day of the week. And then the last one, would you rather be an explorer or a relaxer? Let me explain this. An explorer. You go to a place and you have to see and do everything that's there. You have to go to every restaurant, um, every touristy thing. You have to go to every shop. Any antiquers out there? You got you to hit everything or your relaxer. Give you a book, a porch, a hammock, and you are good to go for the week. Okay? So how many of you are explorers? How many of you are relaxers? How many of you like to do both? Okay, so you have to be careful if you do both because it's the same term as if you go out of your resort in Mexico and drink the water, okay? It's called X-laxer. I'm just telling you, if you're an X-laxer, you're not gonna be exploring very much. And you're definitely not gonna be relaxing very much. It's not good. You don't wanna do that. Now, how many of you have been on vacation only to return to your house to realize you need a vacation? 
I went uh, five years ago with my wife. I took her to Jamaica for our 10th year anniversary because we went to Jamaica for a honeymoon. I thought it would be very nice and it was awesome. We had the best time that week. We were on the beach, we were reading books, you know, it was all inclusive. I'm not, trust me, that's very, very rare that all inclusive happens in my life. And so we went, we were enjoying the food. And then on the way back home, we go to the airport in Jamaica. And if you've been, how many of you have been to Jamaica? If you haven't, just relax, man, okay? That's what they say there. Okay, so we went to the airport. The, the flight got delayed to go to Fort Lauderdale where we had a connecting flight. So we were already late. We get there. When we got to the airport in Florida, they told us to go get into another line. We walk outside. The line is all the way down the street outside. We go to that line. By the time we get up to the front, they say, oh yeah, your plane left hours ago. Everybody loves to hear that in the airport, right? We're like, great. They said, but you can get another flight. Awesome, like tonight. No, like you can come back at 5.30 in the morning and hopefully we can get you on standby. That's exciting, okay? So what do I do as the romantic? I said, all right, babe, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spend the night in the airport. And so we spent the night and we on the floor in Fort Lauderdale Airport. And so when we got home, we were so tired I was just sitting there and I was like, I need a vacation, even though we just got back from Jamaica. But if you think about it, life is kind of like a vacation, right? It's a story you can tell. Um, it's an adventure and it's a journey. And this morning, we are gonna look at the journey of God's chosen people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. Because if you didn't know that, when you read um, this, that's what you're following along. You're following along the story of God's people. And you need to know something about God's people. They were always in a cycle. And this is what the cycle looked like. They would follow God, do what God wanted, everything was great. Then they would turn from God, go to their sin, their idolatry and say, no, thanks God, we got this. When that happened, God would let them be overtaken by another nation. And then they would be enslaved to this nation. Over time, they would begin to cry out to God for help. God would raise up a leader and he would lead them out of slavery and following God again. Fun facts about the Old Testament. They're written into three different types of books. So when you read the Old Testament, you, you'll be able to notice this once you know that these are the three types of books. The first book is history. Anybody like history? There's books of history. There's books of poetry. And there's also books of prophecy, which tells you of the promises and what's to come in the future. Not only are there three types of books, but they're also in the Old Testament, it's broken up into eras. For instance, in the beginning is the creation era, which makes sense, moves into the patriarch era where we have um, Abraham, who is the father of the nation. He's the father of the Israelites. But at the end of the patriarch era, we see God's people go into the cycle. They begin to turn from God and go into their own sin. And so what happens is they are taken over by another nation, which is the Egyptians, which is Pharaoh, and they are enslaved to the Egyptians. Once they are enslaved, they are there for 400 years. Next in the cycle, they begin to cry out to God, which they do. God then takes and raises up a leader in the name of a man named Moses. And Moses begins to deliver his people out of slavery. And if you listen to the video, you know that he led them to a land that was promised to them by God, which was called the promised land. It's interesting how that works. 
It's the land of Canaan. It was made up of different cities, but it was going to be this, all this was going to be the land for God's chosen people. So they go on this journey and they finally get to the city and they come to the, they come to the first city that they have to conquer. They send in the 12 spies. The 12 spies go in, check it out. They all come back out to give a report. 10 of them give the report of, man, it is everything God said it would be, a land of milk and honey, which if you're lactose intolerant, sounds like an awful place, but I promise you it's a good place because it's given to them by God. So they get there, they say, it's great. Everything that God said about the inside is amazing and it's so true, but there's some big old people inside and I just don't feel that we can take those people. 10 of them had that report. Then you had the report of Joshua and Caleb who came out and said, you know what? Everything they said about the inside being what God said is true. Also, what they said about the people being giant is true. But everything we know about God is true. And so the majority rules, because they had unfaith, God sent them back into the desert. And he said, hey, you guys are going to be here. You're going to wander the desert till everybody over a certain age passes away. Then we're going to send the people back to the promised land and we're going to try it again. So this lasts for 40 years. Everybody over a certain age dies, including Moses, but God raised up another leader, one of those who gave a good report, and that was Joshua. So Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites. They go back to the promised land, and the first city that they have to conquer is Jericho. And that's where we're going to kick off this morning. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6. So if you're with me, say, I'm with you. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. But the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have handed Jericho over to you with its king and the valiant warriors. I wanna point out a couple things to you as we get started. In the first verse, it says Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. Okay, here's the thing you need to know about Jericho. It was not the largest city that they were gonna have to conquer, but it was gonna be the most difficult. And this is why. Everything that Jericho needed to survive was on the inside of those walls, which meant at any time Jericho could close everything off, no need to leave, no need to come in, and they could survive for a long time because they had vegetation, they had animals, they had, which was most important, a water source that actually came on the inside of the walls. Everything they needed. So they knew that Israel was coming, so they shut down shop. Every door, every window, I assume there's windows there, I don't know. Every window, every gate, everything was closed off so nobody had to leave, which meant nobody would come in. So the only way you were gonna take down Jericho is if you went straight through the wall. Verse two says, but the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've handed Jericho over to you with its king and the valiant warriors. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I'm like, okay, God, what do you got for me? And then I just roll through it and I miss all the things that God wanted me to catch. And this is one of those moments. I'm not an English major, but I do know a little bit about the English language. And if you notice what he says, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have handed Jericho over to you. This is past tense. Even though it's not happened, it is past tense. Why? Because it is a promise from God. Think about it. Not only is he promising, hey, this Jericho, I'm handing it, I've already handed it over to you. He's also, what is the name of the land that they're conquering? The promised land. The thing is that God is giving him a promise. And this is what he wants him to do with this promise. And this is your first point this morning is 
take hold. So if you're taking down notes, write that down. If you're not, just act like you are, so I feel like I'm giving you something good over here. Take hold. See, the Lord wanted Joshua to realize that I have already given this land to you. Jericho, you see the wall, you see the city, it's intimidating, but God is saying, hey, I've already given it to you. It's already yours. And when I read this, I got so excited for for Joshua and the Israelites. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And then it hit me right between the eyes. The same promise is for me. God gives us so many promises throughout the Bible that he wants us to take hold of but yet we just leave them there and act like it's not a real thing. So I wanted to give you some promises this morning that are in the Bible, that if it's something that you're like, wow, I need that right now, I want you to to write it down. This is promises of God, and this is what he says. God says, I am your strength. I will never leave you. I have plans to prosper you. I hear your prayers. I will fight for you. I think some of us need to hear this one this morning. I will give you peace. And then John 16, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this, in this world, you will have trouble. Can I get an amen to that? But this is even better, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There's where that English, that English major comes in again. Look at the past tense of what he just said. There's going to be trouble, but take heart. It's going to be okay. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I have already done what needs to be done to have victory in this world, victory in eternity, and victory in your life. If you can just take hold of that promise and trust me. So he's telling them to take hold. But the thing is, I know that God's promises, they're activated by something. God's promises are are true that we need to take hold of them, but they're activated by our steps of faith. And let me give you an example. If I were to tell you, um, hey, after church, I want you to meet me at my car because I have already gone to the ATM and I grabbed $100 that I want to give you after church. I promise I've already done it. So I promised you that I've already done it, right? You can take hold of that promise. You can be excited. I'd get excited about a hundred bucks. I mean, that's a lot of money. I'd be like, yeah, are you, okay. Here's the thing. I'm never gonna receive the promise of that hundred dollars just because I know it's there if I don't take the steps to actually walk to the car after church. You with me? Same is true for God's promises. He promises these things, but they have to be activated by our faith and our steps to that, which brings us to our second point, and that is be bold. Be bold. Not only does the Lord say, I've already done these things for you, and you can just sit back and relax. He then goes on to the plan of how you're gonna, how you're gonna take steps and see this promise actually fulfilled. And this is what we read in verse um, six, verse three through five, sorry, chapter six. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. I have a gift for you this morning. And I see the excitement in your eyes. I have a ram's horn. That's where you get excited, yeah. 
So this is a ram's horn. It's called a shofar. And there's different sizes. There's different colors. All So it may not look exactly like this, but this is what the seven priests um, would have had and that they would have played after this plan was done, after the seventh time around the city, okay? So this is the shofar. And guys, I watched YouTube videos. I watched all kinds of things on how to play this. And I was gonna, give, I was gonna impress you this morning with my shofar skills. Um, but I gotta be real honest. I learned within like 30 seconds, this thing is hard to play. I mean, it's like, and it was not good. But you didn't know this. Actually, Pastor Bill is a very good shofar player. And so I actually have a treat. I've asked him to come out. So y'all give it up for Pastor Bill. I'm just kidding. That's not really happening. I had you. You were, you were, I saw the anticipation. You're like, what? He plays a ram's horn? I knew he had long horns. I didn't know he played a ram's horn. So that's not true. I actually asked him, I said, hey, would you want to come out and play this? And he just laughed, which I took that as maybe next time, right? So we had the ram's horn, right? So they would walk around. The priest would be in the front. The ark, which is the ark of the covenant, would be behind the priest. The ark of the covenant held things like the Ten Commandments, and it represented the presence of God with his people. So this is a big, important thing, okay? So this is what they had to do. They played the trumpets. I can't play it, but I wanted you to hear it um, by somebody who actually could, which means I bought something on iTunes, plug, Apple, if you want to. Okay, so if you guys want to listen to an actual ram's horn, here we go. Pretty cool, huh? It reminds me of the Lord coming at the end of time, which I believe that's the same thing they wanted to um, show everybody there that was inside those walls that the Lord is coming. And so they would, they would play these, these trumpets, right? They play the, the ram's horn after the seven times around on the seventh day, but then something else had to happen. So let me finish. It shall be that when um, make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Here's where you come into play. Now, no pressure, Saturday night was really good. Sunday morning, 9.30 was even better. I expect 11 o'clock to be even better, right? Because you're hungry for lunch, you're ready to get out of here. And so you're gonna celebrate. So we're gonna practice. I'm gonna read this scripture. I'm going to point at you. And that is when you are going to shout. And I know some of you are like, why did I come to this church this morning? No, stick with me. We're all in this together, so you're not gonna be embarrassed. It's not anything like that. But I have seen people, including you guys, celebrate when your sports team wins, right? I've been to the Rangers game, and so when you cheer. So I want you to think of it like this. Your team, bottom of the ninth, they hit a home run to win the game. How would you celebrate? We're gonna, we're gonna do that this morning. It's, it's like 30 seconds left. Cowboys are driving down the field. They're gonna get a win. Okay, let's be real. That's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. We can pray for this year, guys, okay? We can have hope. But I want you to celebrate and shout like, you were, like you're excited about something that's about to happen. Are you with me this morning? Awesome. Okay, so I'm gonna inspire you a little bit. I'm actually gonna point at you with the ram's horn which I think is going to give you some extra oomph this morning. Okay, 
So let's, I'm gonna read this and then I'll point at you and I wanna hear it this morning. Okay, so it says, it shall be when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. And then it goes on and says, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, which we'll talk about that in just a little bit. And the people shall go up, everyone straight ahead. Can we be real honest this morning? This plan is ridiculous. This is such a far-fetched, crazy plan. I feel like a five-year-old came up with it. Can you, I mean, how do, how do you want to win? How do you want to take over the city, Billy? Well, I think we should walk around quietly. Um, you know, six days, seven days, let's do it seven times. Let's blow some horns and let's shout. Forgive me, Lord, if that is anything blasphemy. Okay, I forget, forgive me. So this is a crazy idea. This is wild. And I also know that God probably knew how people would react to his plan and to his ideas. And there is a scripture in Deuteronomy 31.6 that says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I don't know if you know this about Joshua, but in the first chapter of Joshua, um, God tells Joshua three times in the first chapter, be strong and courageous. I know that Joshua probably knew Deuteronomy 31.6. And he knew when, when God said, be strong and courageous, that God was saying, you can be strong and courageous because I am going to be with you. And Joshua, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But why would you have to tell someone to be strong and courageous? Probably maybe because they weren't or maybe because you were gonna tell them something that was so crazy and ridiculous that they were gonna to have to do that they would need to remember they could do this because God would be with them. Think about the stories in the Bible. Last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why would we throw three people into a fiery furnace? They come out, not a hair on their head singed. Why would Daniel be thrown into the lion's den to these, these ferocious beasts and their jaws be closed tightly so nothing happens to Daniel. He comes out perfectly fine. Why would Moses lead the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt and as they come and the Egyptians change their mind and start chasing them down, they get trapped at the Red Sea and God says, eh, let me show you. Splits the sea in half. All of the people, and when I say all, sometimes we think, well, probably a thousand people, try three to four million people, walk through this water. After they get through, it closes on, on the Egyptians and nothing happens. Why do we see so many stories and so many things that seem so crazy to us, but yet it happens? I believe it to be. So when these things happen, there's no doubt that it's all God doing it. Guys, in this life, as you take hold and as you um, walk boldly in these promises, I want you to know sometimes where you have to go, it seems a little crazy. Not only um, does it seem a little crazy, but I think if we decide not to do it, we're gonna miss out on something great. I don't want you to miss out on the things of God because you decide not to walk in the promises of God. And when you start walking in the promises of God, get ready. Because it's not gonna be an easy travel. The Israelites were there. 
and their obstacle was a giant wall surrounding this city. You and I have walls that get in our way too. Because I know this, when you build something for God, Satan is gonna try to tear it down. So here's the thing, take hold, be bold, and lastly, don't fold. Don't fold when it gets tough. Don't fold when things get in your way from accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. The promises that he has given you, they've already been done. Nobody can take that away. But if you don't take steps in that direction, then you will never get into those promises. And I wanna help you this morning. There's a Psalm 121 too says this. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the word for help in Hebrew is azir. And I love the definition of this because it comes from the root word that means to rescue or to save and, which I love the and, to be strong. Which tells me in this verse that God is strong enough to handle any obstacles, any problems, anything in my life because he is with me the whole time. The same um, God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If you were a follower of Christ is the same spirit that is with you every hour, every minute, every second of every day, which means there is nothing impossible for you to accomplish, not because of you, but because of the God who goes with you. See, our problem sometimes is we begin to look and see things as we would look and see things instead of looking at things the way God looks at things. When we see an obstacle, God sees an opportunity. But when we see a major wall in our life, God sees a way for us to get through it. When we see a test, God sees an opportunity for a testimony. Not because of us, but because of us. Of him. So we're there. We have, we have traveled around because we are the Israelites today, by the way. We have traveled around. We have done the one day. We've done it for six days in silence. We've got to the seventh day. We have started walking around seven times and we are about to be at the end. And I need to ask you a question. Are you ready to take this wall down today? I'm worried this wall is not falling, y'all. I'm worried. I'm worried a little bit. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the end of this story. I'm going to read what happens as they take these steps. We're going to hear the trumpet blow. And then I'm going to talk. I'm going to say the last, the second line that talks about at the, as the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great joy. I'm going to point to you. And I need you to be louder than you were earlier because I want you in your mind to hear the horn and think of yourself as God's people because guess what? You are. And we're walking around this wall. Maybe you picture a wall that's in your life that's in front of you that you feel like you can't get through. And we're gonna hear this horn and then we're gonna shout together to call out because we know the God we serve can bring down any wall that's in front of us. Amen? All right. I'm gonna hold, I feel like this gives you power. I'm gonna hold this up. Here we go. I'll give you the cue. This is the cue, by the way. Joshua 6.20 says this. The priests blew the trumpets.
people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, everyone straight ahead and took the city. Now, I don't know if you've ever knocked down a giant wall before, but when you knock down a giant wall, if you expect to walk, walk right through it after it falls, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to move some debris, move some bricks, move some stones out of the way to make a path. But here's what's interesting. If you read the way that they said in the scripture that the wall fell, a lot of biblical scholars believe that God made this wall fall in such a way that it made a wide open path so they can take the city. See, what God did is he took the stones and he turned them into stairs. He, he took the bricks and he turned it into a bridge. He took the wall and he made it into the way. Now we sang a song earlier that said, he made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. So the question is this morning, do we believe that? Do we believe the promises that we read in God's word? Do we believe the promises that we sing about in the songs here in church? For some of us, we're here and maybe we're exploring faith and we're trying to figure out what this Jesus thing is all about. And I want you to know that is okay. And we are glad you were here this morning. Maybe for you, you need to take hold of the promise that God gave us when he sent Jesus to die on the cross and said, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe that's the promise you need to take hold of today. But maybe you are a follower of Christ, but you're really going through something or maybe you're just living life and maybe you're just doing your own thing. Maybe you're in the cycle and maybe God is saying, take hold of this promise. Not only just take hold of this promise, but live in this promise. Because here's what I want you to know. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, please hear this. When you walk with Jesus, the victory has already been won. What he did on the cross for us has already happened. Nothing can change that, which means we can have hope. We can have faith of what he did for us and that his promise, which none of his promises have ever been broken, that this promise is gonna come true also. So here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this week. I want you to take hold of one promise of God, just one and maybe it's something you're going through that you need to take hold of this promise. Maybe if you're like, I don't even know all the promises. Maybe you go back and watch earlier when I gave you those promises. Maybe you go to Google. Google's awesome. Don't believe everything on there, but Google's pretty good. But I want you to take hold of one promise this week, but I don't want you just to keep it to yourself. If you're, if you're married, I want you to text your spouse that promise. If you have kids that have phones, I want you to text your kids the promise. If you're a kid in here, I want you to text your parents that promise. If you have friends that you know need to hear a promise from God, I want you to text them and let them know. Maybe, maybe you write it on your mirror. So every morning when you get up and you go in, the first thing you do is you read that promise that God has given you. Maybe for you, you work a lot and you're on your computer. Maybe put on a post-it note, put it on your screen. So when you're typing away, you always are reminded of that promise. Because here's what I know, we'll never get to the fulfillment of that promise if we're not even sure what the promise is. And I also know once you have that promise, if you don't walk in faith towards that promise, you'll never get to see what happens when you get to the other side of it. But I know if you're a follower of Jesus, you have victory in your life. You have victory where you stand. 
You have victory on this side of the wall. You have victory on top of the wall. And you definitely have victory on the other side of the wall. God wants to give you a life that is more than you could ever dream of. But if we just sit on the sidelines and just, oh, thank you. Thank you for those promises, God, but we don't walk in them. We'll never experience that life. When you do start walking to experience that life God has given you, get ready. Get ready for Satan to come and try to knock you down, but know you can get through it because of the God that is with you. And when you walk with Jesus, the victory is won and you, will, you won't fail. You won't fail because God never fails. So continue to walk in those promises, trust those promises and know that God has got something greater on the other side. Let's pray. God, thank you for your many promises this morning. God, thank you for the most important promise of life with you, everlasting life with you if we have faith in Jesus. And I pray for those this morning, whether in this room or whether watching online, that we've never took steps to, to have a relationship with Jesus, that this morning would be the time that we take hold of that promise that you have given us. God, I pray we would come up front at the end of service and talk to our prayer team. I pray that if we're online, we would just post, I am ready so our staff can reach out to talk more about what it looks like to walk with Jesus and to walk in those promises. For those of us that are here this morning that have a relationship with you, I pray that we take hold of your promises. I pray that we walk boldly in those promises. And I pray we don't fold when things come in our way because we know that with you, nothing is impossible. God, we love you so much. May we leave this place as God's people. May we work together and may we celebrate what you're doing. And because of those shouts and celebration, may those walls in our lives fall down because you are greater than anything we will deal with. Thank you for loving us so much that you allow us to be a part of the story of God's people, that you allow us to be a part of this journey. And thank you for going with us every step of the way. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.